Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. I'm Liza Berger, editor of McKnight's Home Care. The program of all-inclusive care for the elderly can be traced to the 1970s, but the program only now seems like it's getting its day in the sun. Matt Patterson, president of WellBe Health, which advances the PACE model, tells us why. Thanks so much for talking to me today, Matt. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. We recently talked for a story, and there's just so much conversation around PACE, it seems like, these days. Why do you think there is so much interest in the program? What has changed? I think it's really just a combination of need meeting the effectiveness of the model. So, you know, there's about maybe 14 million or so U.S. adults who need long-term care services and support, over 600,000 of them on waiting list for home-based, community-based services. So there's a need and that growing, obviously, as the aging population is, is moving through their life. And then you have PACE is just continuing to shine as a very, very effective high-quality coordinated care model that allows uh, seniors to increasingly be more independent in the community, age in place, and you know have great outcomes and save taxpayer money. So I think the combination of just the high demand and growing demand with the effectiveness of the model really explains the interest. Do you think that the pandemic had anything to do with this sort of surge of enthusiasm for the PACE model? It really was a moment for the PACE model to shine. I want to make sure I'm describing that in the unfortunate aspect of it took something as extreme and challenging to society in a way to highlight just how effective home-based services are. I think prior to the pandemic, you already had growth of home-based models that was uh, very successful. The PACE model, however, kind of stood above and beyond in being able to provide wraparound services to highly complex seniors in a moment of crisis. And so the pandemic really highlighted PACE as just an extraordinary high performer. The mortality rates from COVID in PACE were, you know, the rates were just really, really best in healthcare. So you're talking about survival rates upwards of 96% compared to 88% for nursing home, equivalent types of patients in nursing home settings. And really proud to say that WellBe Health was best in pace. And we had our survival rate was over 97% because of the way that we were able to respond. I think it's just a testament to the fact that pace is just very personalized, very intimate, very hands-on, really knows the participants and was able to be very flexible and provide all the services that somebody would need to be able to be safe at home. And do you think that CMS has taken notice of that? lawmakers are aware of that? I think that's true. I think that actually was already in motion really before the pandemic. I think that PACE has been around for a long time. PACE has been around since the 70s and has been performing extremely well on the triple aim even before there was a triple aim in healthcare. And I think that there was already uh, some momentum at both the federal and state levels to realize that PACE programs were providing exceptional quality of care, great outcomes, lower taxpayer burden. So you were starting to see some momentum in states that were already familiar with PACE, expanding PACE services, and you started to see some momentum with states that had not done PACE previously or had put a pause on PACE, now starting to gain momentum again. I think the outcomes in health that PACE was able to achieve during the pandemic kind of strengthened that momentum. Mm -hmm. 
just last week, Harvard Business Review released a story on the model. Again, lauding the model, saying it both helps vulnerable seniors stay healthy and also saves the health care system money. Give us some perspective on how really innovative PACE is as a model, and you point out that it's decades old. Sometimes when I give conversation or talks to audiences that are unfamiliar with PACE, I'll lead with describing it as going back to the future. The future of healthcare is something that was invented in the 1970s. It's really a testament to the vision that was on display by the earliest pioneers of PACE. Wellbe Health has a core value called pioneering spirit. And in this context, it's very much homage to the earliest pioneer of PACE, who's Marie-Louise Anzac, a social worker who recently passed. And she really is the matriarch of all that we know today of PACE. And she took a very small grant from CMS back in the 1970s and created the first pilot PACE program in San Francisco. And everything that we know about PACE has grown from that. I think PACE is extraordinarily innovative in its focus on social determinants of healthcare before we even were talking about social determinants of healthcare. It is a very, very integrated care model, far beyond what you would see in a Medicare Advantage program, even that has some associated medical and home-based services. It's truly that wraparound care. And so I think that the outcomes are now just really speaking for themselves. And it is meeting this public awareness of the growing demand for these types of services. And so the article in the Harvard Business Review is very consistent with highlighting the benefits of PACE and why it should be a valuable part of the solution for caring for older adults with complex needs. That's a very interesting thought. You know, when you look at PACE and you look at the biggest thing in healthcare for older adults today, which is Medicare Advantage, it's really hard not to see similarities in that, as you mentioned, Medicare Advantage has really started to capitalize on the importance of social determinants of health. And they also are based on a capitated payment model. Is it appropriate to make this comparison? Can we say PACE may have been an early form of NMA or possibly inspired MA? I think there are a lot of things that are in common with Medicare Advantage plans, especially Medicare Advantage plans that more recently are starting to integrate the services component of the benefit. The reason why I say that is that the primary distinction that PACE has from a Medicare Advantage plan is just the extent of the services arm of what we do. So unlike most Medicare Advantage plans, we go far beyond being a health plan and we are this truly integrated wraparound, high touch medical and social service for our participants. It's also unique in, PACE is unique in that it's low volume and extraordinarily high complexity. A typical PACE program in the United States might have 300 to 500 participant census associated with a, an individual facility. That's opposed to tens of thousands or sometimes even hundreds of thousands of people in a plan for MA. And the ratio of staffing is very, very high. So upwards of two to three staff members per PACE participant. So it's very high touch. We're really involved in the lives of our participants on a daily basis 
going far beyond primary care and physical therapy and rehab, but to include things like delivering medications to home, providing all transportation to and from appointments, coming into the day center for personal care, providing hot meals, et cetera. So it's just a far more high touch and integrated model. And even with that, you're still getting extraordinary outcomes and cost savings at the state level, which is why it's such a home run across the country and we're seeing it grow. You know, anecdotally, I think the best way it can really bring pace to life is just the level of creativity that you can have in approaching seniors' problems. So for example, being able to provide an air conditioner or a refrigerator for a participant in certain circumstances where their health needs warrant that and it's indicated. We had a participant who ended up fracturing her pelvis after a fall. She ended up in a rehab hospital. And by the time all the dust had settled, you know, she realized that her dog Daisy was left in the midst of all of this happening. And the dog pound called her and finally caught up with her at the rehab hospital a couple of weeks later and said, hey, listen, we have your dog. And we were going to, unfortunately, going to have to put her down if you can't come and pick her up. And she was laid up in a hospital, totally distraught. This is her life partner. This is her reason for getting up every day. She had no idea what to do, crying in tears. She calls one of our PACE programs and our LVN answers and goes into motion, ends up the dog pound, adopting the dog, signing all the papers, getting the shots, taking Daisy back to one of our centers, working the phone and getting Daisy cared for for a couple of weeks by a family member so that she could be there for the participant when she came home. There's no CPT code for dog rescue, right? So these are just the things that we can do that I think are really meaningful in people's lives and actually make a huge difference in their outcomes. It's all just very heartwarming information, but can you, you can't scale pace, right? Like Medicare Advantage is so successful because it can reach thousands and thousands of people with pace, as you mentioned, just one center only serves a very small number of seniors. Is this a drawback in a certain way of the program? At some point, you're not going to be able to expand it, you know, much further. Yeah, Liza, I mean, this is really one of the reasons for our existence and why WellBe Health was founded. I mean, there, there's a lot of personal reasons why each of us are drawn to WellBe Health and to PACE. Myself, I'm a physician. And so this spoke to me, you know, at a personal level of, of mission and the opportunity to create really amazing culture and environment for people to care for others. It also spoke to me and others, the other, you know, physicians who, who founded the company and, and started us up. When we looked around, we really felt isolated, lonely seniors using healthcare in all the wrong ways and really getting substandard outcomes as a result was the most pressing challenge of the developed world. If we were talking about the developing world, we'd be talking about access to vaccines or water, or, you know, food and things like that. But in the developed world, aging population, isolated seniors using healthcare in terrible ways and really getting substandard outcomes, this is our most pressing healthcare challenge. So that was a calling for us to try to come in and be able to provide an answer. We feel like PACE is the gold standard model of care for those most complex and vulnerable seniors who really need wraparound services. We feel like it provides superior outcomes at a, an effective cost for dates. And so we wanted to be part of the answer to figure out how to scale it. Mm -hmm. Historically, 
one of the largest challenges of scaling pace program is just it's a very high cost model to get up and running it costs a lot of money to get a pace program up and running it going and so our approach as a public benefit company gives us some advantages to be able to bring funding to allow us to open pace programs in underserved communities that otherwise would be very very challenging to launch pace programs the other thing that's unique about us is that we are doing just this PACE has often been an offshoot of a health system or an FQHC, a federally qualified health center or a health plan. And so it's, it's oftentimes an appendage on a otherwise maybe even fee-for-service oriented model of care. And so it, it doesn't quite fit into the mix. We are just doing PACE. And so we built our entire company and the services that we provide at a central level to be able to bring new price programs to life and to, to do it in a scalable manner. And over the first few years uh, of our lifespan as a, as a young company, we've been able to launch more PACE programs and grow PACE enrollment faster in two to three years than any other PACE program has done in a, in a 40 year history. So I think that bodes well that there are models that can scale this program and bring it to more communities that otherwise would not have it. I think states are starting to take notice of that and we're starting to see some states open up and expand their request for proposals for PACE. And so we're excited about that. So how many PACE programs do you project to develop in the next five years? That was a good question. I think we've seen PACE, I feel like it's, it's probably close to tripled, just doubled or tripled uh, even in the last five years. So we're, we're really reaching, we're really reaching an acceleration of growth. From our standpoint, as of next week, we'll be operating seven different facilities in the state of California, and that's over the span of only five years of operating. So I, I just think that if you have you know, 600,000 plus people waiting for services, you have only about 60,000 people being cared for today in PACE, to me, there's a, a very high potential that you can meet a lot of that need over the next five to 10 years. And so I think you could easily see a doubling of PACE locations in that time period. Another challenge with PACE is that you have to be poor <laughs> for the most part, right? Because you pretty much have to qualify for Medicare and Medicaid. And of course, I know that if you don't qualify for Medicaid, you can pay for the program. But really, who has that kind of money? Do you see this as a drawback of PACE? And is there an answer to that? Is there a way to possibly reach more middle-income people who always really tend to get left out. I don't see it as a drawback only because serving older adults with really limited social capital is 100% aligned with our reason for, you know, Wellbe Health's reasons for existence. Our mission is for those most vulnerable with the highest possible quality and compassion. In a way, PACE provides concierge level of care for individuals who would otherwise never, never be able to get this level of care and service. And that is an incredibly inspiring thing. When I go out and visit our centers and I, I sit with folks and listen to their stories, our participants, one of the consistent things that they say that I just fuels me is they'll look at me oftentimes and they'll say, you know, I just can't explain any other way. When I'm here, I feel like I matter. That's an amazing testament to what we're able to do. We feel like our seniors, it's not just caring for them and extending their life and giving them quality medical care. PACE participants are that. They are participants. They participate in the care. And that's because we feel there's value in their participation in our society. You know, our purpose is to bring out the full potential of most vulnerable seniors so that they're participating 
and sharing the love and wisdom that they have. So doing that for those who are poor, I think is a wonderful thing. You're touching on something that speaks to me, which is I would love to be a part of the answer for how we can expand PACE eligibility and expand the reach of PACE, most specifically to those individuals who find themselves in the spend down dilemma of the only way that they're gonna be able to get the care that they really need is to spend down all of their assets and become poor and become Medicaid eligible and therefore be able to get qualified. I think that there's a big opportunity there to serve, to serve those seniors. We'd love to be a part of finding a way to expand the coverage and eligibility for PACE. And one of the things that's currently underway that's aligned with that is the Part D choice legislation that's being, that's being considered. And that would allow Medicare-only beneficiaries a little bit greater options to be able to participate in programs like PACE. I have one more question for you, Matt. You are so passionate about this program, and you can hear it in your voice. Where does this passion come from? How did you get involved in PACE? For me, PACE and specifically WellBe Health, bringing PACE to underserved community, it probably comes from, from two things that are most consistent in my life. I'm always drawn towards mission and I'm drawn towards creating special cultures. And so from a mission standpoint, probably two things explain it. One is I was born in a Navy hospital, grew up in Navy medicine, practiced as a Navy doctor. I've only known single payer universal healthcare where the only thing you're supposed to do every day is just to do the right thing. Just do what's in somebody's best interest and not have to pay any attention whatsoever to how I'm gonna code or bill something or charge somebody money for something. It's just do what's right. As a Navy surgeon, I got the same paycheck. If I took somebody to the operating room or not, I don't understand how I could operate in any other environment. So pace speaks to me. It also speaks to me because, you know, my mom, I'm a son of a very vulnerable, dual eligible, frail senior with chronic mental illness that I, you know, had to admit to hospitals as a, a nine-year-old kid and see how the fee-for-service system doesn't quite cut it when it comes to those individuals with really little agency and little advocacy and social capital. That was just something that I experienced firsthand and knew just what a smart and full of love woman my mom is and not having her be able to fully participate in our society because of that was something that was a calling personally. So those are probably the things that most spoke to me in this opportunity to bring this amazing care model to underserved communities. Well, Matt, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Liza is great. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Matt Patterson, president of Wellbeing. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit McKnight'sHomeCare.com.